Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to SEAC Stories, brought to you by the Sydney Southeast Asia Centre at the University of Sydney. This podcast tells the stories of our members. Hello, I'm Shara Dibley from the Sydney Southeast Asia Centre. You're listening to the final episode in our five-part mini-series on research partnerships. Today, I have a discussion with Dr. Elizabeth Kramer from the Sydney Southeast Asia Centre about her experiences working in collaboration with her partner at the University of Indonesia in Jakarta. Liz's research looks at the intersection between discourse, identity and politics in Indonesia, and her current research interests include corruption, the tobacco industry, and political empowerment for people with disabilities. Welcome, Liz. Thanks to Sarah. Thanks for having me. Our regular listeners may have heard me interview Liz previously for one of our CX Stories podcast about about your tobacco control project. And we'll talk again about that project, but this time we'll be talking about the relationship and the partnership behind that research. But just for the benefit of those who may not have heard that episode, could you tell me a little bit about what your tobacco research is about? Sure. So uh, at the moment, I have a project where I'm looking at tobacco control in Indonesia, particularly from a political perspective and how, um, I guess, the confluence of different factors impact the way that the government regulates tobacco and the sort of underlying attitude behind the decisions that they make in relation to tobacco control. Um, All right, that's great. So interesting. And who are you working with on this project? For this particular project, I have a close collaboration with some colleagues at uh, University of Indonesia, which is based just outside of Jakarta in Depok. And my main um, partner there is a man called Dr. Abdullah Hassan. He is an economist primarily, so he has a very strong background in tobacco taxation and regulations in the tax and excise realm. And yeah, we've been working together since the beginning of 2019 on a variety of different aspects of tobacco control regulation in Indonesia. So how did you two meet? It was a chance meeting. We were sat next to each other at a conference dinner towards the end of 2018. And, um, you know, like a lot of academic conferences, there was a big gala dinner one night and I just randomly sat down at a table that had free seats and Abdullah happened to be sat next to me and we started a conversation and realized that we had a lot of similar interests in terms of finding out more about um, tobacco issues in Indonesia and you know we exchanged contact details after that and in 2019 I applied for a grant to go to Indonesia to do some more field work related to tobacco control and I contacted him when I was applying for that grant to ask if he would be interested in collaborating with me on that so we kind of took it from there. So were you looking for a research partner at the time you met him or did the idea to collaborate with someone come from this conversation with him? I think at the time, because I was only just beginning to learn a bit more about the topic, I hadn't thought as far as collaboration when we first met. But after speaking to him at the dinner and having some follow-up email conversations, it just made sense that we would work together because we had some common interests and the grant opportunity that I had in 2019 was an impetus from from my side to push that collaboration forward but I feel like even if I hadn't have gotten that grant we probably still would have done something together. So how do you divide the work between you? 
Uh, well, it's interesting because I think for a lot of academic collaborations, uh, funding is a big issue and the funding is often coming from one side. So, you know, for example, there'll be an Australian academic who has funding to do a particular project and so they work with someone in Indonesia, but that person in Indonesia or that academic in Indonesia doesn't bring their own funding to the relationship. Ours is quite different because Pa Abdila has a number of grants himself related to tobacco control. So we weren't reliant on each other in terms of funding to make the project go forward. Um, and I think that really influenced the dynamic that we had because it was about what we were interested in um, rather than, you know, one of us bringing money to the relationship and then having that sort of having to negotiate that power dynamic where, where one of us is reporting to an external source or has particular outputs that they need to achieve. Um, so it's been really great. So does that mean that uh, you both are working on your ind sort of independently funded projects and are you co-authoring on those? Yeah, so we're working on independent projects, but I suppose the way that our collaboration works is we sort of dip into each other's work where there's an intersection of interest. So um, for me, I've been working at the moment on, a, on an analysis of regulatory policy in Indonesia, which looks at tobacco control um, more holistically, sort of beyond tax and excise and, and health policy. And you know, Pa Abdila can bring that tax and excise economic perspective to the paper, but I'm bringing a more holistic view of policy to it. And so we can kind of talk about the issue, we can go back and forth with ideas. And so even though that project is mine, I guess, in the sense of, you know, the funding has come from my side, we will be co-authoring that paper together. And the intention is to publish it together. So how common is it for scholars of political issues in Indonesia to work collaboratively, as far as you're aware from your experience? I think there is a trend now towards having closer collaborations, particularly working in Indonesia on political issues. So, and this is just a general sense, but I think, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, it would be very normal for a foreign academic to go to Indonesia to do research on their own and to publish as a sole author or maybe with a co-author. Um, I think that would be quite normal. But now, uh, particularly because a lot of academics in Indonesia have studied abroad, so they have closer ties to foreign academics, I think the door is more open to collaboration and I think academics themselves are more keen on it because you understand as an academic that if you don't live in a place your experiences are going to be quite different to somebody who who is there all the time and who sees these issues through you know over years or, or decades even so having additional perspectives and local expertise being paired with international expertise I think is is something that's more common now than it used to be. So are there institutional or structural incentives for you as a political scientist in Australia to seek out these partnerships? In the study of politics, probably not as much so as in perhaps other fields. There are particular funding institutes like the Australia Indonesia Centre, which as part of their grant scheme have 
collaboration between Australian institutions or Australian academics and Indonesian academics built in to their grant scheme. But I think if you look at, you know, funding from the ARC, there's not necessarily an impetus for people who study politics to to necessarily form collaborations with people in country. Um, so a lot of the desire to collaborate, I think, actually comes from academics themselves. It's not necessarily something that's being structurally or institutionally pushed. What's your personal motivation then to work collaboratively? Well, for me personally, it was partly because I'm an early career researcher and being new to this topic, wanting to know more about something, but understanding that I was very new to it. It made sense to uh, work with somebody who had more experience. Um, so that was the primary motivation, or not a primary motivation, but a motivation. Um, I also think too, for me personally, working on this particular issue, it brings a different lens working with people in country because particularly from Australia where tobacco control is almost an uncontroversial issue. In Australia, the past 20 years have seen, you know, all kinds of regulations and restrictions put in around smoking and there hasn't been a lot of backlash. Australia is basically recognised as one of the um, world leaders when it comes to tobacco control regulation and, you know, to kind of try and look at Indonesia with that lens and perspective, it's just not going to work because the context is so different. I'm learning more and more about how that context is different, but working with people in country really has helped me to clarify that contextual nature, the contextual nature of tobacco control in Indonesia a bit more. The other thing which is um, fantastic about working with somebody who's experienced and has been looking at tobacco issues for some time as they have incredible networks. For example, I did a few months of field work last year in East Java and Central Java, particularly with tobacco farmers and, and um, people who, who were either looking at transitioning to different crops or um, you know, various issues. And a lot of the contacts that I had through my collaboration enabled me to go into communities and do interviews in a way that would have been very difficult if I didn't have that partnership. Are there any particular values or principles that you've brought to this relationship? For me, it's about just being open to their ideas and possibilities. And, you know, I mean, I think personally because of the way that I do research, which is very grounded, um, I like to see where things will take me rather than going in and having a specific idea of exactly what's going to happen and who's going to do what and, and what we're going to achieve. I mean, I feel like everything is a conversation. And I can imagine there would be circumstances where that wouldn't work. Uh, but in this particular relationship, I feel like it does. So you're half Indonesian. You spent most of your childhood in Indonesia. You speak the language. You understand the culture. You have a lot of personal contacts there. Does this this connection to Indonesia shape how you have built your relationships? You know, I think that it must, but it's hard to articulate exactly how. Um, I remember, oh, it would have been years ago, having a conversation with uh, an academic who was also studying Indonesia. She was studying Indonesia and she was Indonesian 
Um, and she kind of was lamenting the fact that Indonesia was a bit of a laboratory for foreign academics, uh, you know, sort of that people go to Indonesia to study the phenomenon and then they go home and the outcomes or the impacts of that phenomenon don't actually really affect them at all. At the time, it really got me thinking about the way that I approach my own research and partnerships. And I think it wasn't something that I had been very critical about um, previously. When I was doing my PhD research, I was very much a solo researcher um, and I hadn't really looked into forming any kinds of partnerships. But I think, you know, even though that conversation was many years ago, it did kind of stick with me because having that Indonesian background and having lived there, there is a connection where, you know, you don't necessarily want to come in and fix things or, uh, you know, make things better, but you don't want to make things worse. You don't want to treat it like a playground. You don't want to treat it like a laboratory. The issues that you're looking at are real issues. They affect people and sometimes they're very controversial, so you have to be very sensitive to that. And I think that is something that particularly in tobacco studies is a little bit difficult because a lot of people who, who study that have very firm views about what is right and what is wrong when it comes to the way that you know tobacco is marketed and regulated and taxed and all of those sorts of things. And I, and I think for me, having that Indonesian background and and experience I'm a little bit more I don't know how to put it when you have a long-standing personal connection to a place then this work is not just something you're doing for your next promotion or your next grant application it's something that has a bigger meaning or at least has a longer standing impact so you mentioned before you're kind of early in your career and how did that work, coming to a potential research partner as an early career researcher? I don't know, were there any issues or challenges or perhaps benefits that you could see from coming to this relationship early on? I mean, I'm not sure that I would necessarily say there are benefits or disadvantages. It just changes the dynamic of the relationship because I'm not an expert with decades of experience under their belt. So I think that means that nobody is looking at me to provide answers to some very, very difficult questions that are, that are being discussed in this realm. Um, I think it means for me that you kind of end up playing a dual role in that you're sort, you're sort of a student, but also a collaborator in the sense that the way that you're talking to people the way that I'm talking to people at UI is often I'm learning from them. So it's not just, um, you know, we go off and do these research projects together and we, you know, crunch the data and come up with results. But I'm also learning about different things related to the tobacco industry. I'm also learning about different things related to how their campus works and how they teach their classes and you know, so I'm kind of learning about them. I'm learning about their work environment. I'm learning about, I'm learning about different aspects of Indonesia that I didn't know about before. And I enjoy that. And I do see myself as a bit of a student in that sense. But then when we're talking about, you know, how we're going to structure a project 
what conceptual framework we're going to use to analyze the data, that kind of stuff. I think it's much more of a, uh, I would say, like a much more sort of collaborative, equal partnership because we come from different disciplines. So there are different ideas that need to be discussed there. And I don't feel like seniority really plays a role in that discussion in our relationship. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just the dynamic that's a little bit different. And how are you managing at the moment through COVID? You can't go over to Indonesia. It's been a while, probably. It's a relatively new relationship. So how, what strategies have you been using to maintain connection? Yeah, so since the beginning of this year, we've been collaborating on two papers, which are write-ups from um, research that was uh, done last year when I was in Indonesia. Um, so we've been in communication pretty frequently about those two papers, um, sending drafts back and forth, commenting, um, submitting them to journals, that kind of thing. So we've had that chain, I guess, uh, running through the relationship because that's something that we've had to talk about in order to get those papers published. Besides that, I have to say from my side, I'm working with data from last year that I've got, so I'm not pushing for any new field work or new uh, projects. Um, but from the UE side, they've got funding to do a couple of things. Um, and at the moment, we're just talking through what that might look like if I'm not able to be there, um, what I might be able to contribute. Um, so uh, this year has been a lot of back and forth about <laughs> research papers that we're co-authoring and a discussion about what's going to happen next. I think that's a great place to end. Thanks, Lee. This is really interesting talking to you about this. Just a reminder, if you're interested in learning more about any of these projects, visit our archives where we have episodes that go into further details. You've been listening to SEAC Stories. Brought to you by the Sydney Southeast Asia Centre at the University of Sydney. Make sure to keep up with all our SEAC Stories podcasts by following us on your favourite podcasting app. If you like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Every positive review helps new listeners find the show. And of course, let your friends know about us on social media.